0: I am so excited to share God's word with you this morning. I think that one of the most thankful things that we have is thanking God for the salvation that he provided us through his son, Jesus Christ, amen. And that's what we're gonna get into uh, this morning is Ephesians chapter two. And we're going to read verses one through eight, or I'm sorry, one through 10. So please open up your copy of God's Word, and we'll read that together. What we're going to see in chapter 2, it really emphasizes the theme of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and really dive into what God actually had to do for sinners like us those that you know we'll read here in a minute that were dead in our trespasses and sins, and what that actually means, and what God needed to do in order to save us. So let's read this together, starting in verse one. And you were dead in, your, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow, this passage is filled with so much to be thankful for. We were dead in sin You guys know the kind of the theme that we're reading here is but God. We see but God intervening every step of the way. We were dead in sin, but God made us alive with Christ. We were captive to the prince of the power of the air and enslaved to the course of this world. But God raised us with Christ and made us sit with him in the heavenly places. We were children of wrath deserving of an eternity in the torments of hell but God instead of pouring out wrath we will spend eternity showing the immeasurable riches of his kindness to us in Christ Jesus that is good news let's look back at verse 1 and you were dead in your trespasses and sins have you ever considered how you came to faith in Christ when you were dead in your trespasses and sins ever really kind of ponder what it means to be dead in our trespasses it's really spiritual death we're completely incapable of coming to Christ what can a dead man do nothing what can a spiritual dead man do it's a spiritual dead man, can they come to Christ, a saving faith, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Is that even possible? Can a spiritually dead person do such a thing? No. no. It's important to understand our sinful condition. It's important for us to understand the depravity of man, our sinful state, that we're completely incapable. We don't seek after God. We're in complete rebellion against him. Romans tells us that no one seeks after God. Paul tells us that no one is good, no, not one. It's important to understand that because I don't want us to miss how much God loves us, how much he cares for us. So in the same line of thinking, if a physical, you know, think about a physical dead person, what can a physically dead person do? Can they respond to anything if you ask ask a question? They can't hear you. They can't do anything. They're dead, right? They can't can't do anything. In the same way, our spiritually dead state, we can't do anything either. Keep basically completely incapable of doing anything that's spiritual. John 6.44 says that no one can come to me, no one can come to Jesus Christ, unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. That's a conditional statement, right? No one can, no one can come to Christ unless he is drawn by the Father. So what must happen? What, 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 must, what must happen in order for us, a dead person to come alive and be reconciled with the Holy God? God must intervene, brothers and sisters. God must intervene. He has to do a supernatural work in the sinner's heart to bring him to himself. I don't want us to miss this because it's so important, vital for us to understand. And this is something why we're going to be so thankful for is that this intervention was necessary and you know what? God was not under any obligation to save us. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Let's look back at verses 4 and 5. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, what did he do? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He made us alive. He had to cause us to come to life when we were dead. And why did he do this? Was he under some obligation? to save us? Did he have to save us? Did he have to resurrect us from the dead? Was he under some obligation because we were so good and we deserve it somehow? No. It's because he is rich in mercy. It's because of his great love towards us. Why else did he do this? Let's look look back at verse 7. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Wow. He wanted to show us his grace, his undeserved kindness towards us. What a loving God we have. He is so good. He's so good. Like I said before, if you really ask yourself this question honestly, what did you do to deserve this? Another question is, is why do you believe in Christ? Why do you have the faith in Jesus Christ and your unbelieving neighbor doesn't? I want you to really think about that. It's not because you have less pride than your neighbor. It's not because you love God more than your neighbor. It's not because you're a good person. It's not because you know, you treat your wife good, you treat your family good, you don't do any harm to anybody, right? You didn't we don't deserve this kindness and love towards God. It's because he loves us. He cares for us. It's his grace. You guys know what the word grace means? It's really undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness. Right? He's showering his undeserved kindness on sinners like you and me. Not because we earn it. Not because we deserve it. Let's look back at verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. So no one May boast. Is that humbling? Does that just, just want you just to be in awe of this God who loved you so much? Cared for you so much that he wants to give you a free gift? And did you know that that free gift, that even the faith that you have is a gift of God? Think about that. Even the faith that you have, the fact that you have come to Christ and put your trust in Jesus Christ, in Him alone for your salvation, is a gift from God. You are not even able to do that unless God provided that to you. It's a gift, right? Gifts are free, right? We don't earn gifts. God gives us this, this gift. Our salvation is a gift. Freely given, given under no obligation. And God does, all, God does all of this so no one may boast. Right? If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you have the faith to believe in him and call him Lord. Can you say that you earned your salvation? No one can say that they earned their salvation. Right? Because the next verse talks about not a result of works. So it's not even what you do, right? So it's nothing. You have nothing to offer God. We have nothing to bring to the table except faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone for our salvation. Amen? That is such good news and that's something that we all have to be so thankful for. And I know that you know, some of you are going through difficult times, whether it's sicknesses and family member difficulties, work difficulties, tragedies, strained relationships, various trials. We're all going to experience them at some point in time in this world, right? But none of those things can separate us from the love of God. Isn't that good news? None of those things can separate us from the love that God has for us. Trials are temporary, brothers and sisters, they're temporary. But the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ is eternal. We are all going to die. Right? We come to that reality. The question is is where are we going to spend eternity? We're going to spend eternity with Christ forever. Because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the only one that can save us from our sins. Because the great sacrifice that Christ made on the cross on our behalf. It's all God and him alone. Through faith alone. In Jesus Christ alone. Let's remember to be thankful for the great love that he has for us. For being rich in mercy. For making us alive in Christ when we were dead, completely incapable of coming to him, but he made us alive to come to him and give us this free gift of salvation that we didn't deserve. Raising it for raising us up with Christ in heaven, for giving us the gift of faith in Jesus Christ so that we can spend eternity in heaven with God. Is that good news? Is that so much to be thankful for? It's the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And God gave it to us freely. And it's not because we deserved anything, it's because He loves us. So let's be thankful for that. And let's pray with each other. Heavenly Father, how I praise and thank you for your goodness and your grace towards us. I pray that we may never forget the amazing grace that we receive, those that are in. Christ Jesus, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Father, for the love, your mercy, your kindness, and the salvation that you give us through faith in Jesus Christ for undeserving sinners that we are. We are so thankful for you that you provided this wonderful gift of salvation for all who believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: All right, well, like Aaron too, I'm excited to do this devotion with you guys and bring you God's word. And I wanted to take an angle of looking at thankful And am I characterized by thankfulness? So I wanna challenge you this morning. I wanna ask you, what are you characterized by? Take a quick self-evaluation. Think about what your life looks like. What do you resemble? I recently asked my growth group, if you were sitting on trial and eyewitnesses, your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, doctors, dentists, Were to testify on your behalf, would those individuals characterize your life as a follower of Jesus Christ, as one who lives a life different than an individual who lives for this world? Or are you one who denies Christ as their Lord and Savior? As an employee, you work for a company. When you explain to someone what you do, you typically tell them who you work for. You are characterized as a worker for that company. You take on the identity of the company. You are that company. You have ownership to some degree. You have some skin in the game. A bride to a husband changes her last name. The newlywed bride takes on the same last name as her new husband because the two now become one flesh. The two are no longer recognized by God As individuals but as one so the bride now picks up the characteristics of her husband and all that his last name comes with in the Bible more specifically the New Testament thankfulness comes up 71 times the definition is to show oneself grateful to be thankful to give thanks. We will specifically be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 this morning. It says this, Give thank- thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We see in verse 16, Paul exhorts his readers to rejoice always, and in verse 17, to pray without ceasing. There are recognizable characteristics of a person who is encouraged and growing in his or her faith. You see, being joyful and prayerful are not complex ideas. These are not hard things to do. They come quite easily. But as we consider giving thanks in all circumstances, in everything, this presents a unique challenge. It's important to note that Paul doesn't tell his readers to give thanks for everything. Paul isn't telling his readers that they must be thankful for the difficulties that they were encountering. Instead, he is challenging them to be thankful in any characteristics, any circumstances. The secret of contentment isn't found in the circumstances. Rather, there is contentment in recognizing it is Christ who strengthens us for whatever we might face. Thankfulness glorifies God, for it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 4.15. Thankfulness glorifies God. Thankfulness draws us to God. We were, ten, were not ten cleansed. We're not, we're our, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God, except for this foreigner? As he said to him, "Rise and go your way; your faith has made you well." Luke seventeen, seventeen and nineteen. Thankfulness draws us to God. Thankfulness is a testimony. Oh, give thanks to the Lord call upon his name make known his deeds among the peoples psalm 105:1 One. thankfulness is a testimony today this week this month this year and moving on be thankful in all things be characterized by gratitude and thankfulness god is sovereign and always in control he knows the outcome And all things are for his glory. We know that it is easy to be thankful when times are good. And even in those situations, we don't always give God all the glory that he deserves. Sometimes we try to steal glory. But are we thankful for trials as well? God is always molding us into his image. Do you give him credit for all things? Thank you, God, for being created. To give you thankfulness in all things and circumstances. If you are of God, then you will be a thankful people, because we realize how much we have been given. One of the characteristics of the last days is a lack of thanksgiving. According to 2 Timothy 3:2, it says, wicked people will be ungrateful. So again, I ask you: how are you characterized? If you were on trial right now for living like a Christian, would you be convicted of living a life that is characterized for our living God? For being thankful in all circumstances? Or will you be let go free because you live a life that resembles worldly living? No godly characteristics. You have more joy and passion for the world than for God. What does your heart look like? The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the mouth, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Luke six forty five. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we see in Psalm thirty. It gives praise to you, God, for your deliverance. David writes, I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing for you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. David gives thanks to you, God, following an obviously difficult circumstance. This Psalm of Thanksgiving, not only praises you, God, in the moment, but remembers past faithfulness. It is a statement of your character, which is so wonderful that praise is the only appropriate response. May those of us who now walk in light, who have cried out to you, God, to save them, to save us and redeem us from your wrath, who have put our trust and faith in Christ, may our lives be characterized by thankfulness among, ugly, among other godly characteristics. We love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen.
2: Good morning, church. It is good to be here today, for sure, to give thanks to our God for the great salvation that we have. Would you turn with me to uh, Colossians chapter 1 in your copy of God's Word? You know, perhaps there's people in our lives that um, we don't know that well, and, uh, and our prayers reflect that, that we don't know them that well. And there are people I know I pray for that I don't know that well, and my prayers for them could often be called generic. And uh, I might say, you know, I pray that they have a blessed day. I, I thank God for them. And is it not true when we don't know those we petitioned for, we tend to pray in vagueness? Well, in Colossians 1, the Apostle Paul writes this, starting in verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We are called to be thankful to God in our prayers for others. So the question before us today is this. What will give my prayers of thanksgiving for another Christian more detail? How can I pray more intelligently for another? How am I able to provide more substance for others when praying to our Heavenly Father? Well, we can ask them what to pray for. We can get to know them. We can spend time with them. All this may provide context for our prayers for them. And our prayers perhaps are, well, maybe not so generic then. Well, Paul lets us know that we don't need to pray in vagueness and, gener- and generically. We can and we should offer prayers of thanksgiving with details. Yet here's our challenge today. Our prayers become more purposeful and more meaningful as we get to know the God that we are praying to and not so much the people we're praying for. It is then we can add depth in our prayers of thanksgiving. Our prayers then are done with substance. Because we are more familiar with, that is, we know our God. The Apostle Paul provides us with this substance. So, what should we be thankful to God for in our prayers? Follow along in verses 12 through, uh, 12 through 14 of Colossians, chapter 1. Paul the Apostle says, Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Those here today who are Christians, we indeed are grateful for the, for the work that God has done in our salvation and the salvation of others in our lives. And we should be. And if that was all he did for us, praise God. If salvation was all he gave us, what more could we ask for? But do you see the details of the salvation that we have in Christ and what Paul addresses here today? Our God is a God that gives grace beyond grace. It gives mercies beyond mercy. That is a giver beyond simply granting us salvation. In Colossians verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, he tells us to be thankful. We're being challenged to believe and entrust ourselves to a God who has gone to great lengths to secure our eternal salvation. We are challenged to look beyond the basic and generic understanding that we have of salvation to the fuller picture that accompanies such a great salvation. This prayer challenges me to know my God in order to have a fuller and deeper prayer life. So consider with me some of the details of the depths of the salvation that God provides through Jesus Christ. Looking at verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. In our salvation thankfulness to our Heavenly Father, we've been given an inheritance that all Christians share. And know this, you are qualified to share in that inheritance. You are fit for heaven. And that fitness, that qualification, comes from Christ himself. You don't deserve deserve your salvation. We didn't do anything to merit it. We're not of any position in this life to demand it. He made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. May our prayers reflect our thankfulness in that it is in God who has qualified us in the inheritance of the saints. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Aaron touched on this. Prior to our salvation, we lived as we wanted to, and we didn't even realize we were groping about in the darkness. This darkness in in, in which we once lived, it provided not only the ultimate outcome of death, But also a life led was a life of death itself. We were dead in our trespasses when God delivered us from the domain of darkness. May our prayers reflect our thankfulness in that it is God who has delivered those who are once his enemy and dead in their sins. Verse 13 also tells us he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In this great salvation we've been given, God did not simply save us from the domain of darkness and, 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 and just expected us to wander aimlessly, but he has transferred us to his kingdom. God has taken that which was dead and made it alive. As citizens of a heavenly kingdom, may we live out our salvation rightly before others, for he has delivered us from this present evil age. May our prayers reflect our thankfulness and that it is God who has transferred us And made us alive to his kingdom, to the kingdom of his beloved son. And then, if you look at verse 14, it is in his son in whom we have redemption. Christian, there was a payment required for your salvation and mine. This is a redemption that sets prisoners free. But this payment, this high cost, it wasn't at your expense. But rather by the death of God's son, you and I were ransomed. Your salvation was brought, bought, bought by means of Jesus' own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. May our prayers reflect our thankfulness in that it is God who has purchased you at the cost of his son's step on the cross so that we are no longer slaves to sin, but are now slaves to righteousness. Verse 14 goes on to say, It is in his son in whom we have the forgiveness of sins. Do you understand our greatest need is the pardoning of our sins before a holy God? That is our greatest need. And yet this pardoning of sin is not the result of anything you and I can do. It was the work of God himself. Forgiveness is provided only through the cross of Jesus Christ. There's a line in a hymn that states this. He breaks the power of canceled sin. Think about that. He he breaks the power of canceled sin. That is forgiveness. It is not only the cancellation of the guilt of sin, but the power of sin is broken in this forgiveness that God offers. Leave this time in Colossians 1 with this. Know not only that you are saved, but know and be thankful for our God who is and has done so much within your salvation. And not only your salvation, but the salvation of others around you. Stand in awe of your God and the great salvation he has granted you. May our prayers be altered. May our petitions for other Christians be amended because you and I have come to this truth. We have a Heavenly Father who is deep and wide in the salvation he provides in and through his beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. And Heavenly Father, we do, we thank you so much for the salvation that you have provided. Not only for Us as individuals, but the Christians you have put into our lives. Lord, may we be more diligent and more disciplined to to get to know you more. And in turn, our prayers will reflect our deeper love for you. Thank you for this great, great salvation that you have given, that you have provided for, that you have initiated, that you have secured by the finished work of your beloved son on the cross. He died a death he did not deserve, so that we might live together with him and you for all eternity. Thanks be to God, in Jesus' name, amen.
3: Good morning, family. It's good to see you all this morning. If you wouldn't mind turning to Romans 8.1, I have a few minutes to share one of the many reasons that I'm thankful to God uh, for this year, and I just pray that it's an encouragement to you. So Romans chapter 8, verse 1 reads, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And those words were penned by Paul. And if there was anyone who ever had reason for confidence in the flesh, it was Paul. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. This is who Paul was before coming to Christ, and he excelled further and much more beyond than any of his brothers. And one might even argue that if there was anyone who ever had confidence or reason to have confidence in the Spirit, it was Paul. He was saved through a unique, miraculous encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He was made the apostle to the Gentiles, and he wrote almost half the entire New Testament. He possessed a giant intellect, and he was trained in the Jewish faith, he was brought up in Greek culture, and he knew Roman ways. Paul had all of the credentials. Paul was the man in the New Testament. There was Jesus, and then there was Paul. And if there was anyone we might be tempted to think got Christianity right, it would be Paul. Yet, let's see what Paul wrote just a few sentences before our verse here in Romans 8. If you look back at Romans 7, verses 21 through 25, this same Paul, who was all of these things, who was this great man of God, Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This was Paul, Paul the apostle, the man, wretched man that I am, he said. Beloved, there will be times in your walk with Christ when you feel wretched, wretched, over your sin, and rightfully so. We live in this body of death and are constantly giving in to its desires. You and I are sinners, and if you don't feel wretched over your sin, at least from time to time, you should consider the reality of your salvation. There must be a war waging inside the Christian because you are spirit and flesh. There must be a war raging And the reality is that in war, sometimes you lose battles. Sometimes you feel wretched. But have hope, dear Christian, because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no accusation, no blame, no censure, and no disapproval for you, his son or daughter. There is only justification and righteousness, and acceptance, and true life. There will be times in your life when you feel like a wretch, and I understand that. I've been there too. But praise God that that is not all that we are. He has made us sons and daughters, and has ascribed to us great value. As the hymn says, Two wonders here that I confess, My worth and my unworthiness. My value fixed, my ransom paid, At the cross. But please don't miss the one critical condition that we read in that verse. It is only for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you have placed your trust and faith in Christ Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, praise God and thank Him as I thank Him this morning. Thank Him with all of your heart, for He is good and faithful, and steadfast forever. But if you have not, will you come to him today? Only he can save you. Will you recognize the wretchedness of your sin before a holy and perfect God? Only faith in the life and death and burial, resurrection, and exaltation of Christ, the sinless God-man, can deal with the penalty of our sin sin that you have earned. So repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn away from your sins and turn to the loving Savior. He is faithful to save, and his promise is to all his children, he loves you, and there is no condemnation left for you. Let's pray. Thank you, merciful and gracious Father for forgiving us our sins and accepting us in Christ Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that you use us in your sovereign work of salvation in the lives of your lost children. You are so good and so worthy, and we give you all of the thanks today, this week, this month, this year, and in all of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.